Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our first double special in which we are going over The Mandalorian Season 3 Episode 1, Chapter 17, The Apostate, and The Bad Batch Season 2 Episode 11, Metamorphosis. And joining us this week in the pod is Blake, Bryce, and Kirk. So let's get into some Star Wars chat and dive right in. Hello, 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 Blake. Hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, we got two uh, two friends of ours joining us this week. Is uh, Bryce? Hello, sir. Hello. And hey, Kirk. Welcome back, sir. Hello there. Yeah, it's been a while. Good to be back. Finally. <laughs> yeah. I was about to respond with General Kenobi. <laughs> that happened in a game. I was, I, that happened in a game I was playing the other day. I was playing a game online, and someone just as soon as he answered the game said hello there. And then like, there's only five people on our team, and three out of the like the three people responded with General Kenobi. I was very impressed. Oh man! Really nice. Uh, yeah. Did you get rid of the other guys that one, didn't? One might say most. Just the, the one guy. Yeah, the one guy that didn't. We just boot him. <laughs> <laughs> need, need someone else. <laughs> you got to uh, you got to play him the clip from the from the what is it? Galactic Battlegrounds. Which one is it? This one. There's always. No, not that one. You haven't learned anything. This one. There it is. <laughs> So backstory, that is a, that's a, a little like, you know, in Age of Empires, you hit the hit numbers and it does a little voice line. That's from an old Star Wars RTS. And that's supposed to be Obi-Wan. That's like the best <laughs> voice actor going on Obi-Wan. Yeah, I, gra wow, I, I grabbed a few of them here. Actor. I grabbed a few of them here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kirk, check this out. This is Qui-Gon. Qui Knock off Qui-Gon. There's always a bigger fish. <laughs> oh no, that's nasty. That is, uh, that's like a knockoff of Liam Neeson. Oh man, yeah, that's a knockoff of a knockoff. Oh, just just wait, Actually, just wait. Look, look at this one. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> some some Yoda giggles. <laughs> that reminds me. I was at an arcade the other day, and you know how they have like those VR things set up where you can go in and you pay like five dollars and you do like a, a VR experience. Yeah. Well, I saw a a Star Wars one where you you fought Darth Vader. And I couldn't really see it was Darth Vader. I was walking past the ad, but then I heard the the worst knockoff Darth Vader voice or James Earl Jones voice that I ever heard. And it was an officially like licensed Star Wars thing. I was like, "What on oh. earth were they doing?" It just did not sound right at all. Was it was it in English or was it in a different language? 
No, it was it was in English. It was in English, but it, it sounded like they just really ran out of the budget in terms of voice acting, and they couldn't use any previous Darth Vader lines. So it was, uh, yeah, I, I, I took a double take because I genuinely thought it wasn't an actual Star Wars property, but it was. <laughs> Dang! Wow! Just some like knockoff thing. <laughs> yeah, strange. You would you think that they'd just use you know original lines and stuff, but I guess they can't use it everywhere. Well, Bray- the VR experience, like, were you Darth Vader in the experience, or like a character, or you're just like, no, you're actually, uh, actually, come to think about it now, it didn't make much sense. You were like a Jedi training on Mustafar okay. with Darth Vader, but like, you had oh. a blue and a green lightsaber. So yeah, I don't think it really so much of it made killer. sense to be honest. Yeah, was this the Vader Immortal yeah, it game? Make sense. <laughs> no, no, it was like a, it was like a really generic. Um, uh, it was, it didn't look like something that's out to the public. It would just look like one of those arcade experience uh, uh, games that oh. had been set up. But like the VR headset was like chained to like a top of like a crane, and you had to put it on. It's all attached and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it didn't look like it was something I'd seen before. I have to share a photo or something. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> this has got me thinking about like what the worst VR experience in Star Wars could be, and I was like. Maybe it'd be fun. You enter VR and you're like the frog that Jabba eats in Jabba's palace. You're just like swimming around <laughs> the whole time. And then you get eaten by Jabba the Hutt and then the VR game's over. Aww. <laughs> it's so sad. Away. But you don't know where you are for a long time. Like there's like a solid 10 minutes. You're just swimming around in like a big in a bowl, bowl and having a good time. With like and then you just shapes. get plucked. <laughs> you watch the events of Jabba's throne room unfold in that moment, and yeah. then and then you, and then it finishes off yeah. with you just getting swallowed. Yeah. All right, you Great, just made actually. it interesting. Yeah, you just made it really fun. I just see it all through a really dirty fishbowl. Yeah, yeah, it's all murky and everything. <laughs> yeah, so you can't make anything out. Stall all right, now you know what I'm like, actually kind of on board for this. It'd be kind of fun. Uh, someone's got to make this uh, experience an unreal, and then you know just. It's a fan-made project. Someone, someone's got to do it. <laughs> the first official Star Wars gay pod VR game. Oh yeah. Bantas are yeah, filthy animals. Bad. I don't eat <laughs> filthy animals. There's Thank another. You, nice window. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember him saying that. Like, I think that's just the line that they came up with. It just made, makes it up, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, that wasn't Mace Windu. That was Waste Mindu. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> yeah, exactly. His, like, twin brother or something. Um, like I play Mace Windu, walk around like Hollywood uh, squares. To do <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to uh, to our audience tuning in, uh, we do have the YouTube channel up and running. So go and subscribe there. And uh, you know we're publishing our our podcast episodes the next day at one p.m. We're doing the the, the YouTube premieres, and uh, so far no one's tuned in. So <laughs> that'd be great if uh, if anyone wanted to check those out. But uh, yeah, people are watching them later. People are catching them later, Blake. You know, we're getting the getting the views later well, that's on. That's good. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. the wasted effort then? No, no, the premiere is a, a huge undertaking. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a huge undertaking, and and uh, glad it's paying off. Lot, lots of people kind of discovering the podcast on YouTube, and then subscribing elsewhere. I guess um, that's awesome. Welcome, so, friends. What an all. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to uh, Star Wars Escape Pod. Lots of new people on Podbean tuning in, which is great. And uh, for those of you who haven't joined the Discord, links in the description. You know, you can check out the public forums, RSS feeds, get some music in the Star Wars Radio channel with uh, DJ Rex. Uh, that's a new that's a new thing we've been we've been doing um and drop a comment you know we love we love our comments and the five stars so that that helps us out a lot so it'll be great 
Um, we're gonna catch it. We're gonna catch up with the Mandalorian season three, um, episode one, which finally hit uh, Disney Plus on Wednesday last week. Uh, which this is chapter seventeen called the Apostate, and I do like the fact that they've stuck with that chapter, that chapter kind of subtitle to it, uh, just because it kind of infers maybe not starting this show at season three, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, go and check out the previous chapters of this story. And, and, uh, you know, you'll actually get caught up on the thing. So, um, I will, uh, I'll go through the summary here and then, uh, you know, we can all kind of just collaborate over what we like, what we didn't like, any notes that you guys took, whatever. And, uh, then we'll do the, the, the new rating system, which, uh, it'll be Kirk's first time doing the Pablo Pudu points rating system, <laughs> which we'll explain in just oh. a moment. Yeah, sounds exotic. It's 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 amazing. Uh, all right, so the uh, the armorer and group of Mandalorians hold a ceremony to induct a young child into the tribe. The ceremony is interrupted when a dinosaur turtle attacks the Mandalorians. They fight back, but are soon overpowered. And Din Djarin arrives, killing the creature with his starfighter, reveals Grogu in the passenger seat. And the armorer confirms that if the minds of Mandalore still exist, that Din Djarin may become a Mandalorian once more. Because uh, let's not forget, in the Book of Boba Fett, he was excommunicado uh, because of uh, removing his helmet once upon a time. Uh, Din travels to Navarro to meet Grief Karga, who is now the high magistrate of the planet. He helps Karga stop a group of pirates uh, making a fuss in town about the school, which has been uh, taken over. That used to be... uh, cantina karga offers dinjarin a newly vacated position of marshal under his command but dinjarin refuses stating that he came to rebuild ig11 because uh, he needs his help to go and uh, explore mandalore with him dinjarin successfully revives ig11 but the droid defaults to his original violent programming and tries to kill grogu in that moment Dinjarin brings his parts to a group of Anzellan mechanics who tell him that they need a new memory core to fully repair the droid. And as Dinjarin leaves Navarro, the pirate crew led by Vane's superior Gorian Shard attacks his ship, which is like a pirate lord guy that we've never seen before. Uh, but he destroys several of the fighters and escapes. Dinjarin meets Bo-Katan at an old Mandalorian castle and uh, reveals that after she lost the Darksaber to uh, Dinjarin, uh, after the whole... Season 2 finale, uh, her plans have been abandoned to reclaim Mandalore, and her followers have now taken off and become mercenaries on their own. And she suggests that Din Djarin should travel to Mandalore by himself. So, um, bit of a bit of a kickoff episode in this one. There was not, like, a crazy amount of, like, super in-depth material to go over or anything like that. Um, but no, just like, I felt like they did, they did a good job setting up the, uh, the quests that were going to be going on throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it was a really good setup and, uh, it makes me wonder if we're going to see this pirate Lord guy again. He was kind of an interesting character. Um, like an evil tree. Yeah, good to say, uh, pirates of the Caribbean crossover. It was good. You know, yeah, Davy Jones's like younger brother's back. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was like mossy instead of squiddy. Yeah. Yeah. You get the, the Star Wars version of Barbosa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so first question that I had, because Bryce brought this up when we were watching the episode. Um, Mandalorian helmets, they don't look pressurized, and yet they always make the pressurized sound every time someone puts it on. Like, what's up with this? Even when a, even when a child's hair is hanging out the back. Yeah. Exactly. 
You know, that's so interesting because I saw a picture the other day where someone shared a uh, a helmet, like a, a toy replica helmet that you could buy from Target, a, a Mandalorian one, and they said, and they compared it to the one that they gave the child in the beginning of the episode, and yeah. they said yeah. that they just repainted that helmet yeah. and, and popped it on his head. I don't know, it wasn't that similar, but I, when I looked at it twice, I'm like, hang on a second. I don't know if they really uh, lost the budget in terms of the props department, but yeah, I, I agree there. I think it was a nod because everyone complained that the toy helmet didn't look anything like Boba Fett. Or I think it was Django on it at the time. So I think this was them saying, like, ah, it was the training helmet. I had the clone, tra- I had the Captain Rex uh, phase one helmet uh, from back back when those were being a thing. But it was the same, or same ordeal where the visor was like extra thick and it was. Designed for mm. kids, right? Like just walking around at night. So they could see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can't see with a regular T slip <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think you're right it's, there, Blake. I think it was like a little nod of a head to like you know, the kids that it had seems to use like, like a very flowny thing. Yeah, the, yeah. The Mandalorian armor. She's like she's like, you know, working the best scar, forming the helmet, and right at the end she just gives it a nice clean coat of like fake plastic spray paint right on top. <laughs> 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 you see like the Hasbro box in the corner of the room. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be really funny if like it zoomed out while she was like blacksmithing and then I'm watching in like a like an old TV monitor and it's all fuzzy and then she like comes out like with a box. So it's like this is just being told this is what it is, but it's just totally phony. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um this pressurizing element though to the helm is like I um I'm a little torn about it because of course, like it, it's kind of hit and miss as to whether or not we're watching a piece of star Wars that puts in that sound effect or not. I feel like they need to just kind of attack this, this debate and just, I don't know, do he's something right, like, like an Iron Man moment where the whole thing like connects yeah. or what? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I was looking at a screenshot of a bunch of helmets from star Wars rebels and um, the bottom of it was like this, donut hole shape what no one could fit their head through and it was like this big thick rim on the inside that would kind of go between the chin and the neck and but it was extra like thick so like yeah no one could fit their head through this like teeny little hole and i assumed maybe they just didn't change the model from how it's usually positioned on the the guy's body like when they're doing the their animation and stuff of course they don't want anything being super hollow right because no one's moving their mouth or whatever um but it's just i don't know to me i was like either that's just laziness or that's brilliant because like maybe there is something that's in there that just kind of like kind of closes in in a way you know almost like a drawstring bag or something that just kind of seals in into place what i always thought it was something more along those lines because how, how else would a vacuum seal for space yeah 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 exactly right like it just it's always made me wonder so i feel like uh, in in the same manner that we saw din kind of tweaking with his armor in season one is like oh that's what's beneath all those armor plates it's like actually a bunch of wires and stuff you know um in that same kind of spirit i kind of hope that they do something in regards to this this pressurizing element to the helmets because yeah i'm a little i'm a little confused <laughs> yeah. so you're saying when the helmet got put on it should have just like cut all that kid's hair off when it pressurized 
Yeah, exactly. No wonder so Bo-Katan has hair that's like that's that. that. That's why everyone has bowl cuts. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the real reason they can't show their faces because all their haircuts are really ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no wonder Boba like lost all his hair, too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in Book of Boba Fett, when he's in the Sarlacc pit, he, st- he takes uh, an oxygen tube from a stormtrooper suit pulls it out of the chest from somewhere and he sticks it into his helmet through the bottom and then you hear the pressurized effect and he's able to breathe again. So I've I've make any sense though. It always comes up, right? It always comes up. And this was just the latest the latest thing. I was like, you know what? Bryce said something about we gotta try and figure this out. (laughs) Wasn't Boba's suit originally like airtight? I thought that was that's why he wore a flight suit. Yeah, well I would imagine that's kind of the idea right well, I mean, like that. i mean they're kind of designed after stormtrooper and clone Trooper, yeah right and then yeah. and we've seen we've seen those guys running around and yeah and they always have that like black kind of tube kind yeah. of mm-hmm. on their neck yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly you don't see that on the mandos right right so I like where Oba is it has one it's just it's yeah. a different color this is maybe one of those things you're not supposed to look into too much. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're getting into the science too much yeah uh maybe speak- they're just making the the noises Speaking of science, uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of speaking of science, um, the the armorer brings up so so Mandal- uh, Dinjarin presents the armorer with this little crystallized piece of a building or something like that. It's got Mandalorian text inscribed on it. It's, it's been crystallized in this like uh, green kind of like rock s- stuff. And uh, she says that this is evidence that everything has been has been uh, crystallized by fusion rays. And uh, to my knowledge, fusion fusion rays have never come up before. Even on the Wikipedia, there's no page that I could find. Like it wasn't, wasn't um, hyperlinked or anything like on the page for the, for this episode. And um, I just wanted to throw it out there to the room. Like, do you guys have any idea? Like what, have you heard this term before maybe in star Wars? Maybe I'm just missing something or um, do we have to like, Maybe this is something to come up with a story later down the road or whatever. I've only heard of fission rays, not fusion rays. Fission rays. That was a, that was a joke. That was a fission ray. <laughs> <laughs> You're confusing everyone even more. <laughs> Just making it worse. I sound like Pokemon moves. Fission ray. Nuclear. You mean nuclear fission? React. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's okay. What I was getting at. All right. Oh, no. Gotcha. Okay, well, I'm not smart enough to understand this in the brief five seconds that I needed to talk about it. So, <laughs> for those willing to look it up, go for it. Um, I don't know what all we have. Like, a, so, like, how many types? Maybe of like a welding rays and lasers. Do we have? But I, because because ray like a ray isn't something. It's like a beam. Star Wars. Yeah. Right. We, we we're used to like laser blasts or like beams. Aside yeah. from ray shields, which I'm assuming doesn't have anything to do with fusion rays. No. Um, yeah. Although, although Blake's comment about the the fission, I mean, okay, so uh, we do know that the whole planet was because we saw a flashback, and there were like Thai bombers flying overhead, and they basically just nuked the planet, right? Like that was kind of like what they did. So maybe this is her way of following that up with like a scientific in, in universe scientific explanation for like this is the the post effect of those tie bomb 
blasts that go off, those plasma bombs that they kind of release and drop onto the onto the ground. Maybe maybe this is like a follow up to the effect what, that what applies afterwards, right? What was the context of it? This is what happened to Mandalore. When they yeah. So if you look up what? the uh, what's it called again, the Night of a Thousand Tears or something, uh, which is the mm-hmm. the night in which the Thai bombers bomb Mandalore, and there's a there's a couple shots of the, in this flashback where you see the uh, like the K the K two S O units, like all those Imperial kind of enforcer droids, like they're kind of marching like Terminators across the planet, and the Tie bombers are kind of screaming overhead, and they're dropping bombs all over the place, and you know you see Sindari City ex- essentially just explode into this like kind of nuclear blast wave or whatever. Um, Interesting. So maybe fusion raises her way of saying like this is like what's left, like this is this is the result of something being completely crystallized by the the explosion of of a plasma bomb or something like that i don't know just trying to make sense of all this stuff yeah i feel like it's almost like an explanation for the fallout or whatever happened obviously there's probably not nuclear bombs in in the star wars galaxy but whatever the equivalent is is i guess what they're trying to illustrate is left on mandalore yeah, glass, I'm right? sure we'll say. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll say exactly what they're talking about once he, once he goes there. For sure. There. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we got a Cara Dune update in this episode. It was very brief, very subtle. Uh, Mandalorian asks Grief Karga about uh, about Marshall Marshall Dune when he uh, gets word that that uh, Grief Karga is looking for a new marshal. And he says that she's been recruited by special forces after Moff Gideon's arrest. And Moff Gideon has been sent off to a New Republic war tribunal. So we got a brief kind of explanation for what happened after season two's finale in that time break there. And uh, it's also worth worth kind of throwing out there that uh, Jon Favreau has said at one point in an interview that that the, the, the time gap between... Season two and season three is between one and two years worth of time because that's how long oh, Grogu okay. Grogu has been trained by Luke for. Yeah. So okay. it wasn't it wasn't like an overnight thing. It's it's kinda like an Empire Strikes Back sort of ordeal where, you know, the actual movie or break between these two films has been a lengthier period of time. Yeah. Right. And when you're following a guy who's face is a, a chrome helmet it's hard to tell that time has passed <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> yeah what did you guys what do you, do you guys have any thoughts on this on uh Cara, Cara dune of course this is this is a character that we probably won't see again i mean uh we've intentionally kind of tried to avoid the subject only because it, it was a controversial moment back in the day but uh did it did it kind of ring any bells you know when when the term came up when when the name came up uh Marshall Dune. It was kind of a kind of a double take moment for me because like, oh right, that's what yeah. it's supposed to be. And yeah. then I'll say I was I think I was I'll, I'll say I was satisfied with what they decided to do, just yeah. because if they had ignored it entirely, I would have been annoyed. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. it wouldn't make any sense with the relationship of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I think if they need to write someone out with her backstory, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Kind yeah, of I mean, I feel it, it was fine. Like when they when they mentioned it, I honestly would have completely forgotten un, un, unless they did mention it. So when it did come up, or when Grief mentioned it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. That 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 all happened. That's why she's not here." But 
I feel like it there, even though whatever happens in the future with the character, I uh, I feel like it's not a complete closed book. It's not like they turned around and said, oh, she died in the battle of whatever. So it's true. It's, uh, it, it's just, like there's room for her to come back, but then it also, I'm glad that they got that out of the way and they're just going to move on with the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to do it for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. No, I agree entirely. So uh, we had the first appearance since the Rise of Skywalker of the Anzellans, which uh, featured Babu Frick. And we got the whole frickin' family in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys say when they first showed up? Uh-huh. <laughs> Frick. I, I, got a, I got a cool little, uh, little audio clip here. No! No! Not a pet. No, it's crazy! Baby. Oh, bad baby. Sorry about that. He's young. Yeah, bad baby. No, Grogu. I love that. Bad baby. Oh <laughs> no squeezy. Like a 90s kid show. <laughs> no squeezy, bad like, baby. Honestly, this is kind of one of my favorite parts the of Gremlins. Yeah. Episode. Yeah, I, I yeah, really I love, liked it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I guess, like, less so that. I, I don't know. I love that when they were um, the first couple shots are like really close up and then it pans out and he's like, you know, like hunched down in this. He's like in there. Yeah. Much in like an air vent. Like, yeah. I was like, that was really creative. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I like that a lot. That's very, that's, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's very Star Wars to do something. It, it's kind of quirky. It's got like a quirky element to it. Yeah. And then you see so him like, hunched over in this great. little place. Yeah. Very, yeah, like very. There's like, yeah. There's aliens of all size in Star Wars and they are going to have, you know, like residents inside cities, mm-hmm. but it's just going to be, they're going to be in like weird places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kirk, what'd you, what'd you think of these guys coming back? Yeah. Oh, I, I loved it. Uh, Bubble Freak was one of my favorite parts of ep- episode nine. And, and I think like the quirkiness of having more aliens in the show full stop. And obviously different living spaces to accommodate for different life forms other than humans is what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Yeah. So I loved it. My favorite part was when Grief was trying to translate to them, but like they were literally <laughs> just speaking English. Yeah. And then he just And then Mando's just like, I got it. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Pretty he good. kept doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we... I will say... Oh, I, yeah, sorry. I go also go enjoy... for it. Like, yeah. I did also enjoy that by introducing some of this stuff, it's starting to blend the narrative between the two trilogies as well. Yeah. One of the main complaints was the sequels didn't have a lot of the original trilogy aliens. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see it kind of blending, right? Yeah, I agree. Because these shows tend to fit in its own category of really having respect from fans of those films and of the older films. And everyone just seems to kind of like them. You know, I've, I haven't mm-hmm. met anyone that hates the Mandalorian with a passion uh, in the same way that I would meet uh, people who just hate the prequels with a passion or, you know, people who hate the sequels or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, and uh, it kind of seems to be the best blend of both worlds, right? Like you get a story that takes place just after the original uh, trilogy timeline, but includes a lot of elements from the prequel and animated shows. And yet it still pulls strings and has attachments to plot lines that'll happen later in the sequel films too. I mean, we've seen 
element, the Easter eggs of, of the possible kind of Snoke theory, you know, the back to tank scene in, in season two somewhere, I think it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so the, I think what Mandalorian does for me is that, and I might be wrong, my memory may not be great, but I think it's one of the only Star Wars mediums that blends everything together. So we've got elements of the prequels in there with Mandos, you know, and one Starfighter. We've got Babu Freak from Episode Nine. We've got Stormtroopers from the original trilogy. We've got other elements later in this episode that came from Rebels and as well as the Clone Wars. So I don't think any other Star Wars movie, at least, has really, to this extent, blended everything together in such a really creative way. And that's why I really at least enjoy little moments like this for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we got introduced to a brand new Mandalorian planet within the Mandalorian system, and it's called uh, Kalevala. And uh, I don't know. To me, that sounds like a pretty sweet Mandalorian name planet, like very kind of, I don't know, Norse-ish, Viking-ish. I don't know. Would you say, Bryce, like, hmm. does it sound a bit valheim to you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely like had that feel, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like aside, this is the um, which planet was this? Calavella is the uh, planet at the very end of the episode where we see Bo-Katan in her castle. Right. Yeah, and it seemed very fjordy, a lot of fjords and like bit uh, bit rugged with mountains. Yeah. It was a cool, cool place. I like the movie. I mean, we've direction. never seen this before. I, we have never we've never seen it before. Apparently, it's been mentioned before in mm. the Clone Wars in uh, in the Voyage of Temptation episode. I think that was season two. It's when we first meet the Duchess Satine, and uh, I believe that was when we first meet her. But uh, it, yeah, it's it's been around, I guess, in the lore, but we've never actually so seen it before. What happens in an episode? Like, what's Satine doing there? So uh, Duchess Satine was Bo-Katan's sister who, who uh, well, mm-hmm. you know, spoiler alert, uh, she like died in the Clone Wars and everything when Maul just gutted her in front of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And um, I guess to this day, they have like a family castle that still remains right. there because they were both born there. I'm assuming aside from their role as as leader of Mando, or at least that's what Satine was before the whole thing went down. Um, I'm assuming that they have you know, some, some family roots and some, uh, some estate there, I guess, on Kalevala. And, uh, I guess that's why Bo-Katan's just sitting there chilling, like in the chair, you know, Bo- It'd be interesting <laughs> to learn more about this planet, right? Like, is it in yeah. Mandalorian space? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be of, in the, in the, in the, in the territory. Like colony? Yeah. So one of the like, moons, I think it's just in the system in, in the same way. The cause there was another planet in, in Star Wars Rebels that popped up, which is also in the Mandalore system, and it's uh, it's where Gar Saxon is from. And it's also where Satine's family lives, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I forget what it's called, though. Yeah, it's it's interesting that Mandalore, like the Mandalorians don't have kind of like multiple colonies or like multiple settlements, you know, on other planets. Yeah. That, or maybe they do. Oh. I think the the excuse, at least in the EU, was always their population was too low. Right, but why? I mean, they've been part of the galaxy for like tens of thousands of years. <laughs> they, <laughs> they never bounced back at the from same Mandalorian cases? wars. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, their numbers are significantly higher in the new canon, so I don't know mm. yeah. how that all falls down, falls out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see more about like 
this place and like yeah. is Satine the only one there on that entire planet hanging out by her lonesome in an empty castle yeah Bo-Katan yeah yeah I, I that's, that's what yeah, it looked Bo-Katan, like yeah. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious about that too I mean we got a pretty cool snapshot the overhead kind of drone shot of of her castle like on the on the um what do you call that like a in or like a I don't know, like an outlet, yeah. <laughs> like a yeah. piece of land that sticks out. Uh, peni- peni- peninsula is that peninsula. what I'm looking? Is that the word? Yeah, word yeah. I'm looking for. Um, Penicillin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a cool looking plot. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there's some cool stuff there to explore in a in a later Star Wars story. Uh, it's it's really great to see a planet like this kind of come into the canon. Something we could see. Something that's been mentioned and talked about in say like the in Star Wars encyclopedia. It's in that. Uh, but we've never actually seen it before, and like here it comes, and you know this is just like something that's so great about these shows, uh, something that they're really kind of making an effort to do is like kind of use the existing lore that we have, and not continuously just come up with like brand new stuff that we're just not, you know, familiar with at all, and just utilize it in like a good creative way, and I think that's like that's that's great, you know, um, so. Yeah, that's uh, that's the episode in a nutshell. So let's do some Pablo points or poodoos. Uh, so just to describe this rating I've system. I've got some questions. Yeah, first. go for it. Yeah. I was wondering with the the pirate captain because we didn't touch too much on that. Oh yeah, yeah. Or the yeah. Uh, the starting of like the uh, uh, pirates are obviously be after Mando now. I thought that whole sequence was pretty fun. I was half expecting Hondo to show up. Instead, we got the other guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so <but> true. <laughs> But the I bet you this is going to lead into Hondo showing up though. That'd be my guess. That would be interesting. That. I mean, like the pirate community in Star Wars is pretty big, so I don't know. I'm sure he probably knows Hondo, this dude. But I smell profit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's such That's a good what, line. Uh, Disney's thinking. <laughs> Man, it would really suck though if they like brought Hondo and it was just like the. Like the, they got to make a, a good mask for that because like the 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 one that they have at Disney parks is it's a little it's a little not so great. Oh <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, uh, man, that would be that would be quite that would be quite funny if they just use like the animatronic from the Disney ride. <laughs> um, so I was I was wondering about the pirate captain ship. Is that something you, that's been in the lore before? I recognize you recognize it, it might have been yeah. a, a fan art thing. So a while back. Yeah, so it bears a lot of resemblance to the Emperor's uh, the Emperor's Imperial Star Destroyer. And uh, I'm totally blanking on what it's called now. Uh, but it all it, the eclipse? The eclipse, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Palpatine's Star Destroyer, the Eclipse. It bears the same exact shape on the front where it, like it kind of yeah, comes that, down. Like yeah. Coney beard thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the way that they did that is completely intentional to try and mimic the look of maybe like a pirate boat or something like that, uh, rather than... Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I like uh, these pirates a lot. They felt very... This is kind of how I envisioned Star Wars too, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I agree. I thought it was really cool. I don't know if you guys watched the whole the whole credits, the ending credits, like with the, the concept art at the end, but there was one piece of of art in there which had like a different angle of the top of the ship it's the scene where din flies right over it and you don't really see what this concept art is actually doing but it's actually got like an exterior kind of uh almost like a hangar bay that kind of dips down it's like a like an alcove like on the top of the ship 
um, similar to a boat, right? Like you look at the boat and it's like, it's got edges like a fence to it, but then the, the center is kind of like lower, right? And it kind of bared that kind of resemblance uh, a little bit to like a, like a pirate boat or whatever. And I, th- I thought that was kind of cool. Also, yeah. yeah, it also like stored the, the fighters, yeah, kind of like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, in in the same way that you might have like uh, little dinghies or whatever hanging kind of near the side of like or in the middle of the boat or whatever, right? So yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that was super cool. I yeah. really enjoyed it a lot. I would say that was probably my favorite part of the episode was the whole pirate part. Yeah, yeah that was very, like Bryce was saying, it's very Star Wars. I always loved that kind of side of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, for sure. Uh, was did, the was the captain a new race? He, One thing I was wondering. I think I didn't recognize him. Did, I I didn't recognize him. Yeah, no, he, he looked like an evil version of Treebeard. <laughs> <laughs> it's accurate. Yeah, moss face. <laughs> I mean, moss he had man. he had a very like it was like a moss themed name too. Wasn't his name like Moss Gideon? Gorian Shard. Old Greg. Old Greg jokes. When I like <laughs> Gor- I'm old Greg. <laughs> Captain yeah. Gorian Shard. He is. Uh, okay. There is currently no species name for what he is, uh, at least that Captain I can see. Gamorian Shard? Gorian Shard. <laughs> I, I wonder if he's just a really ugly version of the like the Jedi, the guy that's on the Jedi Council. Oh, like Opus, the, Opus, the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I totally know yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, Oppo Ran- Rancis or something like that. Rancis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. There's <laughs> a new question for the trivia right there. Maybe he just. Yeah. Uh, it almost looks like he's got some like some liquidy stuff beneath his lip there. Maybe he just drank one of those things from Jabba's palace. <laughs> He's got some, uh, some, some milk stash going on, some slime stash. <laughs> uh, you guys have any last notes for this one or should we, uh, should we give it some points or poodoos? I didn't know that then one starfighter, there's a connecting bit for Grogu to get through. I did not know that. Yeah. I was like, how did he get out? <laughs> I guess like he crawled into Mando's lap. I guess it uses the same. Oh, I see what you mean. You like like from the cockpit to the to like the the droid compartment that he's using. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought that was like completely isolated because the droids were in base before. Right. Well, I I felt like. Um. Yeah, I I felt like they didn't show that in the first episode. I mean, in the book of Boba Fett uh, show, did they? Nope. This is the first time we've seen it. Yeah. Because we see the capsule opens, like the dome will lift. Yeah. But not, nothing interior. Do you also guys didn't have space whales? Uh, the pergles, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I like. Thank you for bringing that up. One. Yeah. So um, those shadows of, of the big, huge, those things in hyperspace. Yeah. That we got a glimpse of pergles. And uh, this is actually kind of a big deal. And I can't believe I didn't write this down in my notes. But... Um, but yeah, uh, it's a big deal because Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels had a big connection with these Purgles. Like he was able to to communicate with them, and and uh, he, he's, he had the thing with animals, right? Uh, but ultimately, these Purgles are is actually what 
has Thrawn and Ezra taken into hyperspace into the middle of who knows where because these purgles like got a hold of like the the ship that they were on and then took off right so mm. next time we see Ezra Bridger maybe there's going to be some purgles around right maybe 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 this is kind of their way of like a longer storyline kind of heading heading in a certain direction but um, I think and this could be future spoilers for season three but I think the big cameo at the end of the season is going to be Ezra and Thrawn leading into the Ahsoka show because I think Ahsoka mm. comes next is that is that is that right y- so yes I, yeah yeah I really feel like that's going to be mm. that's what the next thing's going to be and them hinting at that right at the beginning was a pretty good uh pretty good indication of that yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That's almost, that's... almost like how in um, season two, episode one, they hinted at Boba coming back, and then the next, um, the next episode, sorry, the next show ended up being the Book of Boba Fett. So yeah, I know I might be looking a little bit too much into it, but no, yeah. maybe no, the next series. Yeah, Book that's, of some, Purgles. that's some good math. Yeah. Book of Babu. <laughs> the Book of Purgles. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I think they they're just kind of using maybe Mandalorian as a launching off point to yeah. Yeah, certainly. Which I hope it doesn't become that because I really yeah. want the Mandalorian just to be about the Mandalorian. Like mm. I, I don't that want it really... to be. Yeah, Ugh. that's what ruined the um... season two for you, right? No, but I'm blanking on the the hero's name, the Archer guy, right? Archer that, that could Arrow, yeah, Arrow season oh, one Arrow. back in the day, DC. This is years ago now. It was really good, and then they did well, so they just used it as a jumping point for all their spinoffs. Then Arrow just wasn't interesting anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I think uh, I, I felt like out of the first three opening episodes. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Out of the first episodes of each, each of the seasons, so season one, two, and three, I feel like this one was probably the weakest out of the three. Obviously, the first one we were first revealed to the child, and the second one we had that really hour-long episode with um. Oh no, I've forgotten the marshal's uh the marshal's name. Uh, someone's gonna have to remind me here. In in uh, uh, in in which episode? In season episode one of season two of the Mandalorian, um, oh yeah, the marshal. The marshal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you mean uh, uh, the guy in the <laughs> desert, right? Or you got the, the guy in the yeah, desert, or the one that we were talking about today, Cara Dune. Ma- Marshall Vance. Ma- Ma- oh, 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 no. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Cobb, Cobb Vanth. Vanth. Cobb Vanth. Cobb yeah, Vanth. yeah. yeah. I'm saying Corb. Yeah, Cobb Vanth. <laughs> Um, I was thinking of Vance because he also plays uh, the guy from. He also plays in the Office where there's like Vance refrigeration. Anyway, um, so I'm being off topic here. <laughs> so yeah, it's episode one, one we had. Yeah, episode one we had the reveal of Grogu or the child, and then I thought episode uh, one of season two was also really strong. I felt like this episode one of season three. They were doing so much. Like we had, he went to go find IG-88's path and he went to go back to Navarro to visit Navarro. Then he went to go see Bo-Katan. Then we had the kid in the beginning. Um, so I don't know where they're going to take this season, but it just seemed like there was a lot of different things kind of going on and there wasn't Threads. too much focus yet. I don't but know. Like it I say, with more any... like a jumping point, doesn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. But like any <laughs> movie, I feel like it's with these TV shows, you got to watch the whole season before you can make a complete judgment compared to watching just the first 10 minutes of a movie and being like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll totally. see where it goes. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. that's exactly like Book of Boba way. too. Book of Boba. It's like, you know, I feel like most people see the first episode and they're not super hooked to watch the whole season. Um, and then the later episodes, of course, are like pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, Pablo's or Pudos? Let's do this. Um, so we got a ra- new rating system for 2023. We're doing this for uh, who knows how long. Um, so we got a scale of, basically it's a scale of seven. All right, so uh, we start with the negative side of the scale, which is three Pudus is the worst of the worst. You got two Pudus, one Pudu. 50% is like a Bendu. That's right in the middle, okay? And then we got Pablo points. We got one, two, and three Pablo points. Three is being the best, the best, 100%. This is like the best of Star Wars kind of thing. All right, so um, Blake, you accept halves and quarters. Yeah, you can you can do a three. Yeah, you can do it like a two point five or like whatever. Come up with something. But uh, Blake, you're three sixteenths. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're up first, Blake. What, what, what's it gonna be? Well, definitely in the the points era here because I, I definitely did enjoy it. and to me. It, I felt like it was stepping back to smaller stakes, which I really liked because we're not dealing with Jedi and everything again. I mean, we'll see what happens in the season. You you got me concerned with what you were saying there, Kirk, at the end, though. I'm going to change oh, no. my mind a little bit. We'll see what happens. Oh, no. but, um, Should I quickly redo the, the what makes a good episode helpers? No, that's all right. All right. I'm, I'm just going to go with my gut feeling here, I think. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, 1.8, I think. I feel 2 is a little bit too strong. Just kind of see what's going on. And it was, it was a little bit, you know, spread out. Different story arc. So I'm going to go with 1.8 points. 1.7 makes more sense then. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Plus or minus 0.3. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Man, these point ranking systems, I thought was going to be simple. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. That's the joke of it all. Well, you're doing really well because I think it took me like 20 minutes to even figure out how this rating system works. Let's, let, let, let's see if you've learned. Let's see if you've learned. Bryce, well, give, give us a point. What I've learned is to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go one Pablo point. One Pablo That's, point. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right. I feel like I enjoyed it enough. Uh, I don't. I don't feel like it had a lot of the. Yeah. You know. You know. If I'm giving the first episode of the first season is a three Pablo for me, so this one I think is I'm I'm going with a one. It All had right. like some enjoyable stuff, but it also had some stuff that reminded me of Boba Fett, some like cheesy stuff, kind of lower budgety kind of stuff. Like I definitely still enjoyed it, and there's still lots of fun Star Wars things in it. I think it'll get better from here. Fair enough. Yes. All right. Um, just so you have three examples there, Kirk, I'll uh, I'll jut in here with mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, I'm just gonna do a solid a solid two Pablo points. I feel like it was um, oh, big I f- spender. I feel like it contributed to Star Wars lore in a pretty good way in a few different areas. You know, we uh, we certainly got a lot out of uh, uh, well, finally getting to see uh, Kalevala. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I thought we had a, a few good areas in um, uh, in with the, uh, the we saw the first time ever um, how a child gets inducted into the tribe for this children of the watch or, or I forget what they're called. Um, that was that was kind of interesting. And then we got um, a little more progression with with, of course, like Grief Karga's planet, uh, you know, the, the place that he's good, Navarro, uh, where he's like set up shop. Um, you see how how qu- how much time has actually gone by. It was a good visual reminder. Like this has been a while, you know, since season two and one. And uh, you know, we also got some information on Moff Gideon and and all that. And 
uh, Cara Dune. So I thought you know, it was like, you know, to me, I was like, it was, it kept me intrigued. It kept me intrigued. And we also got a sh- the, the Purgle thing, you know, it was a great, great thing to point out. So we got some of that. Um, so for me, it just kind of had like a lot of good kind of, uh, cool things that, that I really wanted to see in a Star Wars episode. So that's what, that's what gives it two, two points for me. So Kirk, you're up. Okay. So remind me what's, what's the, so Pablo points is the good side. What, yeah. What's the middle and what's the Bendu. bad side? Bendu, Bendu, Bendu's a middle. Bendu's the middle. Yep. And, uh, and Pudu's is, is Pudu's. the negative, the negative range. Okay. All right. So if three Pablo points are for, that would, that's what I would give for the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian. All right. All right. I, w- I, w- I would give two Pablo points for uh, the opening episode of season two. And then, okay, I've already forgotten. What's the negative again? Pudu? Pudu. Pudu, right. yeah. So then, and then three Pudu points would be like Tommy Wiseau's with the room. Like that's, uh, that's uh, really not, not good. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's just something <laughs> really <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like, it's yeah, like you the got, worst you got movie it. of all time. Yeah, you got um, it. You got academic, it. yeah. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Um, so I would put this at one and a half all right. Pablo points. Okay. I'd be really careful there because if I say Pudu... <laughs> One and a half public poodoo points. points. I en- I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good start to the episode uh, to to the show, uh, but there's definitely uh, definitely the, my weakest out of the first three op- opening seasons. All right, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Cool. Well, uh, that that summarizes our um, our Mandalorian chat here, and um, now we gotta we gotta roll in the bad batch, but we don't want to spoil things for you, Kurt, because uh, you gotta catch up on that show. So. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna exit out at the cantina, I see. <laughs> We're gonna jettison yes. you out of the escape pod here. So hopefully you got uh, some sort of breathing apparatus. Hopefully you have a uh, wing Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I've, I've just got a uh, Mando helmet from Target, and it just you know it just works in space. I've already Perfect. tried it. Oh man, I uh, spent some time underwater, and uh, yeah, no no problem, no seal at all. The hair is uh, oh, the hair's good. A nice custom paint yeah, job from the armorer. Yeah, exactly. Oh, buddy, uh, anytime, anytime. And uh, right before you go, I know, uh, I mean, uh, I know we can't really talk about things too much, but May the Force is around the corner, and uh, I'm sure you can maybe say as much as we got some big news coming. Yeah, we've definitely, uh, we're definitely getting at orbit key. We're getting ready for some uh, new stuff coming out on May the 4th. Star Wars wise, and apart from that, I can't I can't share anything else. Excellent new so, new uh, wave. Yeah, so uh, people people uh, people listening in should should go to the Orbit Key website and uh, you know subscribe to the newsletter so they don't miss out on the information. Keep right? Eating, keep clicking refresh. It might yeah. be there a while, but it'll show Absolutely. up. Absolutely, yeah. You'll be yeah. maybe click refresh on May third as it ticks over to midnight. <laughs> I, I'd recommend. Right, but all the other Star Wars stuff is still there. So if you've got any May fourth at least uh, gifts to buy. There's, there's definitely a few things that are, that are still there, but May 4th should be a good day. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you again coming back on uh, in, in the coming weeks, whenever you're, whenever you're able. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again, guys. Awesome. Thanks for chatting, cool. buddy. Good seeing you, Kirk. Talk to you later. Later, man. All right. So the Bad Batch Season 2. Uh, let's, uh, let's cue the music.
Season 2, Episode 11, Metamorphosis. Dr. Royce Hemlock travels to an Imperial facility on Mount Tantis to meet Nala Se. He tries to persuade her into taking part in the Emperor's cloning projects, but she refuses. Meanwhile, a covert transport bound for Mount Tantis ends up stranded on a planet somewhere, and Sid assigns the Bad Batch to recover its cargo. While exploring the wreck, they discover that the cargo is actually an immature Zillow beast created secretly away from the Camino uh, laboratories, of course, now that they're all destroyed, uh, to serve as a living, uh, living armament resource. An Imperial strike force is sent to recover the beast and capture all nearby witnesses, forcing the Bad Batch to retreat. Shortly after, Lama Su is brought to Mount Tantis to Royce to help him persuade Nalase to cooperate. He divulges Omega's existence to Dr. Hemlock as the key to force her compliance in return for his freedom. All right, so this is, uh, we're a few episodes from the end of the season, and uh, this is, uh, this was filler. pretty, yeah, it, you know, I, yes and no, yes and no. So like, okay. yes, it's a bit fillery for the Clone Force 99, but definitely back on track with the way that season one left off the last scene being on Mount Tantis, the last scene being uh, Nala Say in custody on, right. in, in the Imperial base, right? This is that big mountain base that we have all been intrigued by, the one that all the Republic commandos are like doing their right. thing, training the TK units for the first time, right? This is a taster then. So like this is the first time. A, a, a yeah. reminder of everyone what was happening. Exactly. It's been so long. This is sort of back on track with the main plot that we've been looking forward to for a while you know it's a slow integration of course because we have to find i guess the writers have to find a way to bring the bad batch back into that fold right like cross paths once again with the events that are happening at this imperial facility um and uh i also noticed that the cloning symbol that dr pershing from the mandalorian his uniform like on the, the patch on the sleeve a lot of a lot of guys around the uh, uh the characters around the the imperial base have this same un the logo on the on their uniform, which which makes me wonder a little more as to um, the involvement and the, the progression that we're going to see a few more uh, Imperials kind of join this um, this cloning Is that effort. Supposed you know? to be the Imperial Science Corps sort of idea. No, so so this cloning lo uh, th this is like a. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up just to make sure, but this is the cloning. I think it's like the cloning logo or something. Like there's like a it's like a it's like a, a stripe and then like a like a dot or like a two dot kind of stripe thing next to it, right? So if you look up a picture of Dr. Pershing, um, it's on his uniform, like on the sleeve, and that's that's a, a it's because he's he's kind of like an imperial doctor, right? Like he was the one that was about to experiment on Grogu. And, um, right, yeah, I don't, I don't talking well, about. Is that the same guy? No, it's not the same guy, but oh, it's, it's the same. But is it the same logo? It's yeah. the same logo. Yeah, it's the same uniform. That's what I was um, gonna search up. Yeah, so uh, he he works for. Uh, he, I don't know exactly like which which science division he he works for necessarily, but a lot of their science divisions have these different logos. I mean, we we know from Rogue One that the crew, the engineering crew from the Death Star, had their own. Uh, logo on their hats um, and on their uniforms and uh, Dr. Pershing is is definitely you know a character in which uh, has probably something to do with whatever initiative is going on here right right so that's pretty big right so that's kind of like yeah huge 
definitely you know, definitely mandalorian insight now yeah 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 absolutely yeah i mean uh, we've always kind of speculated at yeah. dr pershing experiments on grogu in relation to maybe palpatine's plans mm-hmm. later for cloning his body maybe he can't quite create a body that has that midi chlorian count that he can use the force in that body whatever right there, there's oh, something yeah. or maybe it's snoke maybe snoke-y. he's making snokes right yeah, like, yeah. we also saw that we also got in in the tales of the jedi that yaddle is killed right yeah you know what if uh emperor's using yaddle's dna to oh yeah right right because the emperor would have taken that body sure absolutely yeah you know that's a great point and it's funny that you mentioned that because uh i replied to a to a tweet from matt martin earlier today who was um posted a video about a little like yaddle bust that's hidden somewhere in doc ondar's shop in galaxy's edge and i said now that's a storyline there's where there's more room for story you know like like i bet the jedi for years wondered what happened to her right because she wasn't there she didn't go with the rest of the jedi to to qui-gon's funeral she stayed behind and then when they all get back she's just gone you know she was on the council boom she well she left the council because she says that to do because she left the council uh because of her opinions differentiated she didn't think things were weren't quite going the way that they should be but she was still part of the jedi order and then boom gone right so it's like there must be some sort of investigation into this like this is a jedi master that just went missing you know like it's not it's kind of like a sifo-dyas thing where i'm sure maybe years later we'll get some sort of story arc in which kind of fills us in maybe there were some jedi that go and investigate and maybe it's there's been like a cover-up maybe palpatine's orchestrated a cover-up to kind of like art like you know just make some events happen that explains her disappearance or something like that. And then they just kind of buy it and leave kind of thing. You know, uh, there's gotta be some sort of consequence here, right? Because like no one just goes missing. <laughs> so she is someone of that. Yeah. Yeah. Prestige. Yeah. So like, but like, Cypher, thing. yeah, it is very interesting. Yeah. So no, I wonder, I, you might be right. You might be onto something. Maybe she's the first kind of experiment. Maybe they, they take her body and, and try and, Would, do something because mm, because we've yeah. always been told that you can't clone force users so maybe well like yeah the rise of skywalker changed that though as soon as the rise of skywalker came out it changed that lore forever because it made it with possible snoke, you mean yeah with snoke and right. with palpatine because yeah. palpatine's body is a different body as well so like it, it, it's, well, it's definitely that, that that was because of maybe like it was a case that they couldn't until they experimented with whatever Yoda's race. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's just why it. Didn't right? they, why didn't Palpatine clone himself like a good body? Was that like part of the, I think that's kind of the problem. Yeah. That's part of the issue. That's part of the part issue, issue. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. Part of the issue I think is like kind of like what Blake's saying is like they, it's always been a problem to in the lore mm-hmm. to like clone a force user because, yeah. because of the science behind it, because the midi chlorians can't just be created out of thin air because that's essentially like a Plagueis thing, just create life from nothing. Right. So I think that's why there's so much yeah. like kind of retroactive story building here to try and get to that phase in which yeah. Palpatine can achieve that goal. Um, and I like that because it's always stuck out to me like a sore thumb. And it's one of the reasons why I have such a hard time enjoying that movie because I just can't get past this, this Palpatine clone thing. And I've never been a huge fan of the story, but whatever. 
do we like this better than the old EU system where they finally were able to clone the Jedi, which is um, Master, who's from the Thrawn trilogy. And it, back then the issue was they would slowly go crazy. Then they could just become insane. Uh, I know that that was a thing. And then later on, if we're counting it as Legends continuity, Starkiller also was a clone for right. the second Force Unleashed game, right? The second Force Unleashed story. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and the reveal was there's hundreds of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were like making an army of like Force users or whatever. So I, I've never been a huge fan of the whole cloning Force user thing, to be honest. Like I've, I've always no. thought that it was really not cool. Like it was just one of those things that just shouldn't be done. It just gets out of hand too fast. Yeah, yeah. It just gets out of hand too fast. It's almost like introducing... I I didn't mind the insane part where it's like it didn't work. because It looked like it was okay at the beginning and then Mm -hmm. they just go nuts. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I didn't like the uh, Starkiller part. You know, George Lucas has said in interviews that he's always regretted making electro weapons combat ready for lightsabers. He's always regretted that. And it makes me wonder, like... It's kind of, it's a rabbit hole, right? Because, like, once you make something that can combat a lightsaber, sure, it can't slice through walls, but, like, it kind of diminishes the effect of owning a lightsaber. And then now we're getting things like... That's all electro. Yeah, and now we're getting things like, like, what is it? What was, uh, is it the Dark Troopers or the Praetorian Guards or something? There's something now that, that, I mean, other, other than Beskar, there's another material out there that can just straight up block lightsabers. And, like, there's... Yeah, there's just more things that just keeps building. It's like, okay, when does it when does it stop, right? Like when do when do when does having so many things all of a sudden make lightsabers like just a normal thing to have now? And you might as well just have like a vibroblade or something, right? Um, so yeah, like cloning I forces. Think that that's been like, happening recently with Star Wars materials and like resources. Yeah. Like name name a single like mineable resource in a movie or TV series that doesn't explode. <laughs> Every resource in yeah. Star Wars blows up when you when you handle it too roughly. <laughs> uh, yeah, coaxium, ipsium. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's that other one? Uh, whatever the barium yeah. gas or whatever. You know the the one that oh, gets yeah. all colorful. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, Tabana gas. I mean, there's there's so yeah. many. There's so many. Right. It's so like, now it's not special, right? It feels yeah. really like bland. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Yeah, it, it's 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 an issue. I think they got to fix, and and this cloning thing has always been amongst the debatable topics. But uh, but yeah, here we are. We're getting like the earliest of chronological stories happening to kind of plant those seeds, which maybe get the ball rolling. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see some things further implemented in season two before the end of the season, and then maybe that's going to be followed up with something in Mandalorian season three, because we did get something and some little tidbits in in season two and one with this whole cloning ordeal this whole cloning plot line um so yeah that, that'd be interesting do, that'd be kind of cool i do like the camino and arc like yeah. kind of the fallout from the fall of yeah and like lamasu and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that um they mentioned an off-world cloning facility right so wouldn't that mean more of them should have survived uh you're talking about the one in season one the off-world cloning no, facility i think there's I think there's a conversation in this episode to talk about an off-world cloning facility. 
I can't recall that, but if there is, then... Well, the, the off-world cloning facility is there. Like, it's at Mount Tantas. Like, they've made a laboratory, you know, for their doctors and, and such. They, they've essentially taken the research that the Kaminoans had, and they've given it to their own scientists, right? And then Dr. Pershing is clearly a legacy character of that program that's, like, used the Kaminoan science research and continued to further further do whatever the empire bids but now they're doing it without the kaminoans because they wipe them all out essentially right so yeah, like they want total control yeah, yeah they want total control over the over the over the tech and the research right so nala say actually doesn't realize that they've preserved the research because like in this episode that's when she finds out and this character who's um goes by the name of dr royce hemlock and uh they have a history of some kind because they they kind of kind of hinted that uh he actually reveals to her in her cell yeah, we saved the research. You know, like yes, your city's gone, but like the research is still here, and you know you need to come and come and work for for us for for doing whatever Palpatine wants because, um, you know that's what's going to save your life, and uh, they need her. They need her still because clearly they've brought you know Lama Su, the the old Prime Minister of Camino, who turns out he's actually not dead. Um, they bring him into the picture to help try and help them convince her to work for them because they still need her for something. And uh, that's when he says, like, yeah, well, the only way you're going to get her to do anything is if is if you give her Omega. And she's running around with those those characters out there, <laughs> the Clone Force 99. But according to the Empire's records, they're dead. So, like, to me, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really curious yeah. now as to what they're going to do because they'll probably look into it and go, like, oh, these guys are killed off. But, like, what happened to the girl, right? It's a dead end. So maybe that's when they're going to send Crosshair on the hunt. You're like, hey, maybe maybe they're not dead. Who knows? Like, but well, whatever. Well, crossed the ship in this episode, right? Because yeah. they were they were chasing whatever their shuttle is. So maybe they'll get something through that. I'm going to be really upset if they just ignore the fact that there was that entire moment in earlier this season where that dude just shoots the clone just to avoid all the paperwork and call it a day so he can write them off as dead, right? Like I'm just gonna, I'm I'm gonna be pretty pretty uh pretty upset if they just kind of ignore that happened, you know, in favor of yeah now because the empire is not gonna go out and look for them. It's like it's the Andor concept, right? They're too fat and satisfied. They're not gonna send out teams of people just to just to look for people that are supposedly dead, right? Like they're just they're just not gonna do it unless they need to. But now they possibly have a reason, which is they need to get. Omega for right so that they can um if she if she's confirmed dead though right like in maybe maybe her name's not part of the part of the report or something like maybe they just don't report her as dead which is why they can they can justify kind of sending teams out to look for her or whatever but and then uh, they find the bad batch yeah yeah maybe yeah something like that um turns out yeah yeah they're actually alive or whatever but uh it would be kind of interesting if they had like a imperial wide bounty like placed on, on, uh, on their heads. And this is, I think, where things get really interesting. This is where maybe we could see Boba's first contract with the Empire or something, right? Like get some bounty hunter like tie all that in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll turn on them. Yeah, because Cad Bane in the in Book of Boba mentions to Bo- like mentions it's like an insult he uses. He's like, you know. Boba Fett was like a cold-blooded killer that worked for the Empire. You know, he's like kind of kind of upset that like Boba took contracts with the Empire or whatever, right? Which I don't know why, but um, 
because they were kind of the only employer at the time, right? But uh, yeah, them in the huts, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're gonna get into the underworld thing aspect. I, I feel like the Bad Batch has a lot of like, I, I like whenever we watch an episode where it just feels kind of like wasted, it always makes me a little upset because um, there's so much area in which they could use these characters and this team of people to like explore different areas of star wars like the underworld right like the bad batch they're a group of outlaws on the run from the empire like clearly like the underworld is like a great area for them to explore and they are like taking jobs kind of like from someone in that world like from sid who doesn't really seem that vicious at all but i feel like they could get a bit bit grittier with these these plot lines you know what i mean no, I agree with that. Star Wars Underworld's weird like that, where it can be like really dingy, but it also can be almost light and comical. Yeah, the light and comical side. See, I like, want I want some the, plot lines like uh, like that train heist episode with Ventress. You know, she joins. What's funny is this is what I was gonna bring up is exactly that because yeah. like to me this the, it's similar to that, but instead of like the interesting, you know, intense part, it's more like we're getting the um, what's the guy's name? The Dengar side of it was like the, the comical part of it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like they need to integrate whole, these characters. That storyline, right? Yeah, Dengar just became like a joke. Yeah, <laughs> Simon Pegg voiced him too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, Zillow Beast. We get uh, we get Zillow Beast showing up. Uh, hasn't been seen in Star Wars for thirteen years. Uh, first appearance was in season two, episode eighteen of the Clone Wars. Uh, Zillow Beasts have blaster, lightsaber, impenetrable armor. Uh, they grow in size by ingesting energy sources. They're basically Star Wars's version of Godzilla, and they can get, be taken out by a special plasma laser, which uh, makes them very sleepy. Uh, they also can be killed by the Doug's ancestors used to kill these beasts with a unique gas found on their planet, um, which was part of the part of the story arc when they first showed up. So, uh, but these were genetic. This one was genetically modified. This one so is all information on it. This one's genetically replicated. This is so the Clone mm -hmm. Wars plot line goes as this. Um, this is a season two arc, so it's it's frequently, um, for anyone who kind of starts midway through the series, it's going to be a story arc that gets skipped. But um, but this story arc is, it, they basically, uh, they tame, they, they, they knock this this creature out and it's ordered, Palpatine orders that the, the Zillow Beast is brought from the world, uh, I forget the, the, I think it's Malastare, um, to Coruscant for research purposes. So they bring the creature there and it basically gets really angry in the laboratory that they're keeping it in and it breaks out of, of its um, containment chamber and it just causes havoc on Coruscant, right? And uh, power outages, you know, people dying, you know, it's climbing all it's over Godzilla buildings. And Coruscant. And, yeah, yeah, it's Godzilla and Coruscant. That's exactly what it is. And it, um, then the Jedi actually end up, you know, saving... Palpatine and and because uh, it, it it's like going after him and um, and then they end up uh, killing the creature and at the end of the episode Palpatine speaks to the the doctor who's in charge of the research of this thing and basically says uh, hands her a data pad and and she looks at it and goes like you know he says like these are your new orders and she looks up at him and she goes you want me to clone the beast and then he kind of just like walks off or whatever and then the episode ends. And I've always had a problem with the story arc because, like, it never went anywhere. 
Like it just kind of ended and the Clone Wars ended and it just nothing happened. And uh, there was no mention of a Zillow beast ever again. <laughs> and I'm like, this, this feels like something that should be talked about. You know, this big giant creature just like caused havoc on a city that's never been attacked in ages. And, and, you know, here we Classic are, right? Big city, though. I mean, it's like the next day, nothing happened. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, superhero movie ever. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. It's like you know, yeah. Um, so I love the fact that this show has kind of revisited that story arc, and uh, and I've always liked the idea of a Zillow beast. Like it's always been, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like anyone who likes monsters and beasts and stuff like that showing up in Star Wars, like probably likes the Zillow beast, you know, but. It's pretty intense. I would say it's probably the like biggest, most intense monster that really is in Star Wars Galaxy at this point. Is it not? Is there anything that's would be more intense than something that grows to the size of skyscrapers? Certainly nothing that's like blaster impenetrable. I mean, we've seen the Rancor have come be pretty tough, but you know. I mean, yeah, there's, there's the giant, not close though. What yeah. about the giant like space creature in uh, in the Maw? Oh you know, yeah, the guys that yeah, when they're flying through. Yeah, there's some pretty big space Squid creatures monster. out there. Yeah, I mean the Purgle as well. Like they're also all like the space creatures. I feel like are on another level of size and it's like, you know. a, it's like goldfish that grow to the size of their bowl. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's exactly that's a great example. Um, but yeah, this uh, the Zill Beast. You know, they've they've clearly successfully cloned this thing, and which is. I guess it's not a huge big deal because like they've been cloning people for a long time in the Star Wars galaxy. So I guess it's nothing to be super surprised about that they succeeded. But um, clearly with the Camino and research, they they did it. And, you know, this thing breaks out and absorbs a bunch of energy and goes full size. And by the end of the episode, the Empire kind of gets it back and and uh, Bad Batch, you know, they uh, jut off once again. Um, <laughs> like, were, you, were you satisfied with that? I mean, you waited since season two Clone Wars to get this I, episode. Yeah, I don't know how now. I feel about like the ending of the episode, like Bad Batch once again failing to do something and then just jetting off and just. Oh, I was gonna get at now. Zillow Beast is again under research, and we don't know if it will ever be seen again. So it was basically like we picked up where we left off. Yeah, um, I don't think the next episodes are going to be filler. I think we're definitely going to be in an area in which we're still exploring that storyline. At least I really hope so. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it's like, it's one of those stories. It's not super crazy intense back on track, but it's enough that it's kind of hooking us back in. It's, it's, a, it's a way to ease us back in after all the fluff that we've had. Um, but yeah, Bryce, what do you, what do you, what did you think about this episode? Hmm. I don't know. It was. All right, we have, we're having a good laugh on the on the couch watching this one. You know when they. Yeah. <laughs> I, screw I, over I a village like, oh, and then run away. Like, <laughs> I'm like I don't want to poop on the episode too much, like <laughs> on the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it had a lot of like good things in it. Um. Not that I can think of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's like do some addition of the. I like the addition of the Empire swooping in with all those like gunships, and, like fighting the beast King Kong style. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Just rounding up the people. Visually. Yeah. 
I mean, those, I think that was one of the things we talked about was, man, the villagers got just the worst end of the oh, stick man. in this episode. <laughs> like, the Bad Bash shows up and just ruins everything for those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all in, like, in tournament camps now. They're just, yeah. they're just living there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Pablo's are, Pablo points are pooters. Um, I'm going to give this one a bandu. Right in the middle. Only because the Zillow Beast is back. If it didn't have the Zillow Beast and it was something else, I would have given this guy a few poodoos because, like, you know, at that point it's just more fluff. But I feel like revisiting the whole storyline on on Mount Tantus, finally we're kind of getting back to back to uh, back on track, uh, back to the plot line where season one left off, and uh, this was like a very small hook to do it. You know, it could have been a bit more intense, but um, I think I'm I'm really happy that the Zillow Beast is back. I don't think it was quite a good enough episode to give it um, Pablo points, but um, but I'm really happy that they that they hooked that guy back in, and you know, maybe just south, maybe maybe just north of a Bandu. You know, maybe like 0.5 Pablo points or something. We're kind of in that range there, at least for me. Hmm. No, I'd say something similar. I'm going to use this opportunity to say the word poodoo, so I'm going to give it a half a poodoo. Just because I don't know how often I'm gonna get to do that. Fair enough. <laughs> half a Pablo Pudu. Yeah, half a Pablo. <laughs> Bryce, what's it gonna be for you? I'll do a Bendu as well. I think. Uh, I mean, yeah, there, there was, there was some good stuff, but I think, I think it's, I think it's a Bendu for me. Fair enough. Um, and I had a thought, and it just flew out the window. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh next while, while, while you're while you're thinking about that bryce yeah let me think let me think let, let me pitch this do you think there's too many clone commandos at this base because yes. i was always led to believe yeah. there's only like a few hundred of them total in the whole grand army and i feel like this whole base is just using them like security guards yeah, I, I didn't like that at all. I think I mentioned that when bryce was was watching the episode with me here and and um i Really didn't like the fact that they were just on guard duty, like in the prison chambers there, where where it's just you're just protecting a scientist. Like that's that's a job for the TK units who are being trained at that facility, right? Yeah, exactly. Not you not commanders. Really wasted. Yeah, it did feel really wasted. It's like I I like seeing them; they're cool, but like we don't need to see them like that, right? Yeah, um, they got to be used for their purpose. I'm also so like when they were hunting the Bad Batch on the planet, that made sense. Right. But so you're walking around security, not so much. Yeah. I'm also kind of wondering whether or not we'll see the rest of Delta Squad because we keep seeing Scorch all over the place. And we saw Scorch in the last season. We've seen Scorch in the, this season now with this episode. And I love Scorch. He's great. But like, we haven't seen the rest of Delta Squad since the Clone Wars. Well, Sev is, Sev is dead. Uh, Supposedly. That's, that's Legends, though, right? So, like. Yeah. You're right, because like he, if he, if we're going with that storyline, like you know, technically he, he died in like the game, right? So that's yeah. like that's like that's right. be- before they even show up in the Clone Wars, because that's Kashyyyk. like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I, like I, I don't think we can really kind of look at that as fact. Like I, I think it's pretty likely that, you know, we'll see, hopefully we'll see more of that squad unless they're all dead for some reason, but, um, yeah, yeah, seeing Boss Fixer and Sev kind of come back, it would be what would be really cool. Is if they're tasked with hunting down the Bad Batch, yeah, you get a yeah. group of Republic oh. commandos like hunting the Clone mm. Force ninety nine. You see them in is action. Is that too fan servicey? 
I think it's the perfect kind of fan service. I, I think know. like it sounds fun. It sounds really cool. Yeah. What what who do you want hunting? Yeah. Who yeah, who, yeah, who, who, who would you go with? Hmm. To hunt them it's specifically. Like bounty hunters or Yeah, I would probably lean more towards bounty hunters. Hmm. Um All right. So I, it's Boba Fett teamed up with the commandos. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me now that's out. not fan service. <laughs> I figured out what I was gonna say. So I think actually I'd like to give it maybe half a problem because I liked I really did enjoy the um they I think they were really able to make it a kind of scary at the start. Yeah. When I'm they actually were, gonna um, think of that too. Yeah, and I think that Alien. was like a yeah, and it, you know what? And then when you, now that you've mentioned it, it kind of, rem- I think I talked to Josh about this too, it really reminded me of that um, mission in Republic Commando where you have to infiltrate that acclimator assault ship. Mm-hmm. And like, everything's dead inside and there's like, you know, it's the Trandoshans are, yeah. have like taken it over. And it really gave me that like scary feeling. And I really like that. Um, mm, that's cool. That's the other thing I wanted to vibes, say, yeah, yeah is um, I really enjoyed the just the fact that we're back on the like Omega, you know, storyline, and mm-hmm. it's kind of focused on her because I feel like that is what makes this series interesting. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm. Yeah, I totally agree. With that. Harsh. Yeah. No, all right, you've convinced me. I'll, I'll give it half a pop point too. <laughs> those those were the good parts. I, I forgot about the beginning of the episode, which was the uh, the alien kind of reference, which was was pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. Once they revealed the alien, it was less interesting to me. It was kind of the opposite of Josh, which is kind of funny. It's like it to me it looked like in the small version, it had the same face as the alien from the original Alien films, but it had like this lizard body. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I find it crazy that we're on episode eleven, and I'm just mm. saying that now that there's now something to do with Omega. Yeah, <laughs> we're eleven episodes. In. I know. I just, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the biggest issue I have with this show. Like, uh, like so, so far, yeah, like mm. it, it's got some episodes that are really great, and then and then it just, yeah, and then it just goes through phases of of giving us episodes that are like, all right, really, like, is we gonna do this again? Yeah, like. Um, it's something you'd see with a, a kid's show that has, you know, yeah. 24 episodes in a season. Yeah, Not and this has only got 16. Yeah, we're only we're only like 16 episodes and just north of like 20-something minutes, right? Like, it's nothing crazy. So I feel like, you know, if, if they really kind of just sat down and wrote this thing to, to, to have this just week-to-week ongoing, like, actual story that just keeps going with the Omega thing or with the whatever. Like, you know, they could really pull out some good story arcs. We saw story arcs in Clone Wars last four episodes long at a time. Like, that's that's a long story arc, and they were great. And, uh, you know, three was, like, pretty normal by the end of the show. Pretty normal to have three episodes in a row that had one story arc. And I'm just kind of not cool with this show just going back to Clone Wars season one style week to week kind of like jobs one and done and, yeah. yeah one and done story arcs that are just kind of burners that probably won't follow up later with anything so you know yeah it feels very monster of the week right like you could tune in in any episode of the season and you would miss wouldn't have missed anything yeah yeah 
That being said, though, there is some things to like about this episode, and you know, I still, I still love the Bad Batch. It's still great, uh, but I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm holding high hopes for the last couple episodes that we can, that we can uh, get a good storyline. The next episode is called The Outpost. That comes out on Wednesday, which is March eighth. Uh, which by the time this podcast premieres, it'll be about you know, just over twenty four hours until, uh, until we can watch that. And uh, Mandalorian season three, episode two, comes out on Wednesday as well. So. Uh, lot more star wars this week and i'm looking forward to chatting about it with you guys um any last things to bring up before we wrap it up here nope that's it for me all righty blake sir any any other are all covered yeah yeah all right cool well uh quick notice to our listeners is uh check out the links in the description of this podcast episode for everything we mentioned earlier as well as uh, a link to UTNE's Book Madness, which they're doing right now on social media. They're running polls, putting uh, book against book. They're, they're basically getting like a public opinion of which is better. Um, so the first couple of rounds have already kind of gone through. Uh, it was Lost Stars versus Death Troopers. Lost Stars won out. Uh, and then what? it was Ahsoka versus, Lo- yeah, Ahsoka versus Lords of the Sith Death and Ahsoka really run- won out. Um, High Republic Convergence versus the Republic Commando series and the High Republic Convergence won. Uh, they did Thrawn Trilogy and Legends versus High Republic Path of Deceit and Thrawn Trilogy won. And Leia Princess of Alderaan versus the Courtship of Princess Leia and Leia Princess of Alderaan won. And the final section was uh, Brotherhood versus Rebel Rising and Brotherhood won. So uh, we're going down the list, down the column. There's a huge column of... Uh, of uh, first level kind of verses in the round one and then we'll do round two and uh, you can take part by uh, voting on the polls on twitter uh possibly on instagram but i've seen them on twitter that's where i do my votes and uh the the link in the description is to see the results of those who put the original list utini is putting this whole put on there yeah 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 utini is putting this whole thing together i don't know what kind of like they not every star wars book is on here so i i don't know who picked the the books to to put on the list but um i imagine it's maybe some of their higher rated uh favorites i would imagine maybe like the, the number number 50 or oh. whatever top 50 or star wars books or whatever and they're they're pitting them all against yeah, each figured, other something I figured like out that. my yeah. issue because there's a bunch of star wars books that are really good that should have been on there but like three quarters of them are by timothy zahn so i guess yeah. they probably only wanted him to have one novel yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know happened. maybe maybe um, also death troopers they shouldn't have put that against lost stars lost stars is also good but death troopers i feel like should have got to another round that's a really fun novel yeah yeah i guess uh i guess we'll see i'm really looking forward to seeing um what makes it uh what makes it f- f- far enough to be in the last two of course but i'm really curious about the um the dark Darth Plagueis book versus uh, Allegiance and Choices of One, which is the one that introduced Mara Jade, I think, wasn't it? Um, that's it's part of the Thrawn trilogy. Then there, there's like spin-offs Thrawn, of yeah. the tr- Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens there because those are some fan favorites in there. Um, but yeah, all right, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, coming back on the podcast, and and we'll catch you in the next one. Anytime. See you out there. Keep flying. All right, thank you guys for tuning into the podcast. We always appreciate everyone tuning in and uh, sharing the show with a friend. If you uh, want to help us out at all, 
you can send this podcast to a friend and uh, drop a review. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or uh, Podchaser, uh, you can leave a review there. It really helps out, helps the algorithms, helps people find the Star Wars Escape Pod podcast among 4,000 other Star Wars podcasts on the internet. So um, drop a five-star, hit a review, and that would be awesome. Uh, you can uh, contact us at swscapepodcast at gmail.com. You can send a voice memo there, and uh, we'll even play it on the show. So if you have a question for us or a response to something, you know, we love uh, hearing from our, our audience. Uh, you can also reply to our tweets and follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, with the handle at swscapepodcast. You can find us on YouTube with the handle at swscapepodcast and subscribe there. And uh, feel free to drop a comment. And uh, don't forget those links in the description down below. We always uh, put the links down there. If there's any uh, any upcoming things, uh, any pieces of news or things that we talked about, we always link it down there. So uh, you can catch that as well. Uh, check out thechallenge.com uh, by UTE that we just brought up. You can vote for your favorite Star Wars books to uh, make their way up the ranks by following them on Twitter. And I forget their handle, but uh, again, links in the description below. And uh, you can check our swells out. Join the Discord server. The swells, they're, uh, they're little previews of our episodes. We try and do one of those uh, every week to give you a preview of uh, what we've done. And looking forward to upcoming episodes for The Mandalorian, The Bad Batch, chatting with uh, Blake, Bryce, and Kirk, and more people in the future. Thank you guys again. May the Force be with you. And we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod.